Is that what I'm saying? Rough Trade Radio. 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 What's that? Hi, and welcome to another Rough Trade Shoplifting podcast. This week's guest is Sam Outlaw, all the way from California. 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 United Los States Angeles. of America. Yeah. <laughs> you are, you're still there, yeah? Still uh, yeah, there? I'm based in LA. I've been in uh, Southern California most of my life, and specifically in LA for like about 10 years or so. Just, so yeah. yeah, okay, nice. nice. And you're over here on tour, a new album coming out. New album's called Tender Heart, um, and uh, I'm out here, you know, doing promo stuff for that, yeah. and then we've got just one show. But it's been cool, man. It's yeah. been fun. Is it a full band show? Yeah, full band. Nice. I've got my harmony singer Molly out here, which you got to meet. Yeah. Her. Um, and uh, and actually, another one of my um, SoCal friends, this girl named Lydia Luce, who plays uh, the fiddle, she's going to be in the band as well. So okay. it was just so a, like she just happened to be out here doing other stuff and was like, hey, I'll stick around for an extra day if I could play <laughs> your show. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Amazing. Okay. So it's going to be. So the new album is. Um, it's, it's a slightly different record to the last one. Yeah. You did this one yourself because the last album was with Rykuda. Yeah, slightly produced. big name. So, and you're like, yeah, no, not interested this time. Right. It's all you everything you need to know, yeah? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it definitely wasn't like I had like this super confident swagger, you know, <laughs> like I think part of the idea was um, I got to see what it was like to make a record with like a, an American legend and uh, in a real nice studio in North Hollywood. And um, I think part of me was like, I don't know anybody that's really going to want to follow up a Rye Cooter produced record. Yeah. Uh, so why don't I just do it? Um, you know, and then if, if it utterly fails, we can just not release it and, and just say, okay, now let's go find <laughs> another producer. Or if we feel good about it, then we'll put it out there. And if people like it, great. And if not, then I only have myself to blame. It's good. It's good though. Thanks, it's a good man. job. It's Thanks. a really good job. Thanks. It's a nice, it's a, it's a bit more of a gentle record than the yeah. last one. It feels yeah. like you made it sort of in the early hours of the, Mm -hmm. was, was it was it made in a different way to the first one? You know, it was made in a different way in that, um, you know, the first record we were in a proper studio. Um, a couple of the musicians uh, weren't necessarily like my regular musicians, where this was like I pretty much just grabbed my, my regular pickers, you know, like kind of my road band. And uh, we set up in, so the guy who engineered it, um, it is, his name is Martin Pradler, and he's the one that engineered my debut album, Angelino. So I met him because of Rye. So he, you know, Rye Cooter brought in this guy, Martin, and I just thought he was amazing. So I called him up and said, hey, I'd like to make another record. I think yeah. I'm just going to produce it myself, but... Forget Rye. Yeah. Who needs him? We've got this. Yeah. But, you know, the idea was to, you know, I even on Angelino, I thought that Martin um, played a kind of a bigger role. Like, just calling him an engineer yeah. felt... Um, not quite doing it justice. So he gets co-producer credit on this new album, and uh, he's got a home studio. So we literally just set up in like his living room at this house in the San Fernando Valley, and we you know cranked out you know all the basic tracking in like two and a half days. Amazing. So it was pretty like DIY, um, but I felt you know ultimately like you just listen back to the tracks, and if you feel like you're getting it, then you say good. Now let's you know yeah. move on to the next thing. And if you feel like you're not, you work at it a little more. But it, it felt really easy and and pretty like casual. It sounds it sounds quite like a casual record. It yeah. sounds like an easy record to well, make. I want I want like I like the records where it sounds like a dude playing music into yeah. a mic, you know. And when you when you add too much kind of stuff on top of that, although it can be kind of impressive and give people stuff to write about, um, I don't know that it necessarily connects with a listener more than just the simple sound of someone playing playing yeah. a song. Yeah, nice. Okay, so um, so you've 
uh, chosen five records. Yes, say. which is tortures me because all I want to do is yeah. We've only got ten in the shop, so it's fine. So that wasn't easy, no. No, I mean I, you know, and all these records I picked, I love these records. But then, like, even just walking by the aisle to come in here, I see, yeah. like, three other artists from, like, oh, well, we can't not talk about when it, so, yeah. Yeah, and people are going to judge you yes. on these records. Yeah, that's, what, that, that's, why yeah, that's, that's why we do this. That's why we do this. Yeah, whichever one you're going to go first. Okay. Um, well, let's see. We could, I almost feel like we could do them in um, chronological order of when they were made. I'm pretty sure this Bobby Charles record, this... That's what, this is 72, this I think. No, no, no. You're right. That is Willie. Like, so this, this Willie Nelson must be first. This must be seventy. Well, this, it says yeah, it what? says on the seventy-two, <laughs> and I know this Willie Nelson one was an Atlantic. It says seventy-four. One of the two Atlantic ones. So I think this is the first one. Okay. But if we're wrong, well, if you're wrong, I mean, again, someone will look it up and judge me. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with this Bobby Charles record. Um, this was his. I'll just read from the from the sticker on it. It says Bobby Charles' 1972 debut for the Bearsville label finally gets a thoroughly <laughs> re- deserved reissue. That. Yes, I have. <laughs> so what I've always loved about this record is it's basically like a record by the band, yeah, but without Robbie. It's, it's the, the band the band album that never was. That's right. The band album, yeah. That's right. And um, I think I first heard one of the songs on this because that dude Vetiver covered one of these songs. Okay. So um, the song that I want to play is the one that he covered because I just think the Bobby Charles version of it, I actually like the Vetiver version a lot, um, his cover, but this Bobby Charles track to me, like the feeling of this song, it's like when you're 24 and life is just so easy and you get stoned on like a Sunday and take a walk around like Long Beach, California and everything's okay, you know, and go home and like have sex with your girlfriend or something. So like there's something forward to that. Yes. (laughs) My girlfriend or whoever. Um, So the song is called I Must Be in a Good Place Now. Uh, And and the lyric, like it's one of those songs where everything about the song, it just creates um, a feeling uh, that few other recordings I think can create. So uh, this record to me is very special and that song is very special. Okay, let's hear it. You 
Your name has such a pleasant sound Love is all around And all I see is you I must be in a good place now Sunset in the hills And dream of my yesterdays and tomorrows And hope that you'll be with me still I saw a butterfly and I named it After you Your name has such a pleasant sound Love is all around And all I see is you I must be in a good place I must be in a good place now So that was Bobby Charles and I must be in a good place now um chosen by Sam Outlaw who's who's here still with us today in the Obviously, flesh. Isn't it? yeah and it's a podcast so no one sort of joins us halfway through yeah. but um we're just going through the five choices um you've made in mm-hmm. the shop um Did, was there anything you couldn't find? Is there anything we should be stocking? Um, I, I was looking around for some Sam Cook, and I don't. I mean, you must have some somewhere, we have right? Some. Yeah, we should. I have looked, some. and I either I didn't see, or I think maybe there was just a compilation. And I think because of this, you know, you want to get your yeah. cred points for knowing yeah. a record, so I, did, I just couldn't <laughs> pick a compilation. Um, I think I also looked around for a specific Emmylou Harris record, which uh, I didn't see. Okay. You guys did have one of our newer records, which was a great record she did with Rodney Crowell. Oh, yeah, I was looking yeah. for like either like maybe like Elite Hotel or yeah. Piece of the Sky or something like that. Great records, yeah. But, but I mean, good. that's still country music. Yeah, and I got some country in here. <laughs> yeah. Not much, but. <laughs> Okay, what's what's next then? Yeah, so the next one is we go through the years. Uh, this one was released in 74, at least according to the copyright on the back of this uh, LP, this vinyl record. Um, so I picked uh, one of my favorite records by Willie Nelson. And this album is called Phases and Stages. And it's part of, I think, kind of like a trio of records he put out on Atlantic, which was like Shotgun Willie. Yeah, it's the first, isn't it? Um, uh I don't even. That's the second. I don't. Is phases, that, no, I shotgun Willie. Fa- no, phases and stages. The third one. Phases and stages. I think is the third one. But why am I blanking on the middle one? See, this is why I, I hate know, doing I this shit because someone's it. judging me it's right fine. now. Like, oh, dude, it's obviously. Uh, 
Um, I didn't know there was a movie. I thought you only did two on Atlantic. Yeah, maybe. It'll, it'll come to me but as I stop stressing it. We can anyway, edit all this out. We could take all great. this out. No, leave it in. Like, I want to I want to people to <laughs> hear me know, squirm. Just how little you know. Yeah. This hack. <laughs> so anyway, this record to me is so special because I feel like it was, it's like an art project record that is, yeah. also has hit tunes on it. Like it has some really catchy. It's got bangers on there. Yeah, yeah. some like full blown like kind of cracking singles, but it's weird. Like it has this. So for folks who haven't heard this record, he has this song called Phases and Stages. And it's phases and stages. And and he basically takes this little melody and this this refrain, if you will, and he keeps popping it into the record as he goes. So it keeps popping up in different songs, even the same melody but with different words. And so um, I believe this this record was a bit of a, like a divorce record. Yeah, it's, like a, it's he's, a classic divorce record, Yeah, so he's it? going yeah. through, you know, kind of like the in the ends and, and you know— sifting through the ashes of a, of a failed marriage and so it's really sad but it's very um thoughtful yeah and um and it also has one of i feel like one of his more popular tunes which is uh the first track on side two is called bloody mary morning which um folks think was written about um la and some folks think is maybe written about somewhere in texas but um, apparently, ironically, he wrote that song like while on a train or something. But it's a song about being, you know, he's on, in the runway. He's in, in an airplane on the runway getting ready to take off to go to a different town. And um, it sounds like maybe he partied a little hard. <laughs> and so, you know, he's got to hit that Bloody Mary in the morning. Yeah. And, um, and maybe he was partying because he's trying to kind of, you know, medicate because of some, some painful stuff with a relationship. Yeah. So um, I think it's cool because, again... It's crazy to think that there was a time when when people were making more or less acoustically, you know, produced singer-songwriter like artistic music that was also the popular music. Yeah. yeah. Like what, you know, yeah. I don't know if we're allowed to swear on the yeah, show. Yeah, you're allowed to swear. Yeah. It's, no, so it, what it, the fuck? Yeah. Like how like how is it that in 1974 and I know that um I don't know this might be wrong. I'm pretty sure he recorded Bloody Mary Morning a few years before, like for a different thing. Right. And they ended up taking the song and, you know, retracking it. And the version on this, for whatever reason, kind of was the one that took off. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, there's there's catchy tunes on here like Sisters Coming Home, How Will I Know, uh, I'm Falling in Love Again. You know, kind of it's all classic kind of country traditional stuff, mm. but with this uh, very artistic and... I dare say even like almost avant-garde yeah. sensibility to yeah. it because the guy just had style, Yeah, you know? And I think this was really when he was coming into his own, which I Willie Nelson's a double-edged sword for me because when I hear Willie Nelson, his voice is so good and is playing so good that I always think to myself, all right, dude, well, you should quit because compared <laughs> to him, you suck and you're never going to be him, so just quit. Never compare yourself to Right, yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 all, it's always, yeah. yeah. But, like but then, seven, but compare yourself to But them. I say it's a double-edged sword with him because he's also the guy where, although he had hits, you know, when he lived in Nashville in the 50s and 60s, he didn't become himself, like, really popular until the 70s yeah. when he was in, like, his 40s or whatever. He's one of those artists, the hipsters can't say they like, you know, I like the early stuff. Right. It just doesn't work with Willie Nelson. Right, right. just didn't find... Yeah, he, he came into his own... Um, as like a full-fledged adult, whereas these days, you know, you feel like I'm, you know, I'm 34, 
and you feel like compared to you know like I feel like these other youngsters will get plucked out of obscurity and they yeah. get this lottery and they become the next big thing and you just feel like such a loser because you haven't <laughs> made it even though I only kind of started doing this full time a couple of years ago you know you still you you know it's hard to not just feel like you've failed already because you're not something bigger you know at 34 you're doing years fine. old you're doing yeah fine. sure you're well, but again fine. that's I need you around more um, so anyway to me this record is just so cool and and the song that I want to play is Bloody Mary Morning because I've been through divorce and uh, I've been there and uh, that shit is not fun and yeah, yeah sometimes he's, you're having a panic <laughs> attack on an airplane perfect here yeah. we go then well it's a bloody merry morning baby left me without warning sometime in the night so I'm flying down to Houston Forgetting her the nature of my flight As we taxi toward the runway With a smog and haze reminding me of how I feel Just a country boy who's learning That the pitfalls of the city are extremely real All the nightlife and the parties Temptation and deceit the order of the day it's a bloody merry morning Cause I'm leaving baby somewhere in L.A. Well, it's a bloody merry morning Baby left me without warning Sometime in the night So I'm flying down to Houston With forgetting her the nature of my flight So that was a Bloody Merry Morning by Willie Nelson. Great choice. And um, so um, you're talking about two years. You've been doing this two years now. Mm-hmm. Um, so before that, mm-hmm. you were I was just a male model. I was, only, <laughs> just I was just, yeah, it was back when I was just modeling. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I, I had like a decade-long career in, in advertising. Yeah. So and specifically, I was in like um, digital ad sales, selling to like record labels and you know TV companies and movie companies. So that was my life for you know most of my. And you were 20s. doing this alongside 
that? Yeah, I started I started kind of writing country songs and playing out as Sam Outlaw, I think, for the first time in 2009. But it wasn't until, again, like five years after that, that kind of like, you know, got up the gumption to step out and say, this is what I really want to do. Yeah. Um, and some of that was because I just don't think it was very good and I was still learning how to write and how to sing and all that. And I knew that it wasn't good enough to like make it or whatever. Yeah. But some, and then some of it was just good old fashioned fear and insecurity. Um, and then a lot of it was like looking at my friends who, you know, a lot of them were mu- musicians and in like fairly popular bands in LA. And I kind of would like look around and they were all like kind of poor and like living in <laughs> shitty apartments. Yeah. And, and I was just kind of like, you know, I think I'm good. Like I'm going to keep making money. And, uh, and, but then, you know, after a while of that, you, you know, you kind of look around and realize that maybe you don't care about the whole money thing as much as you thought you did. Or rather like you see that it doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah. Like what's the point? Okay. So now I'll make more money and then you hope to make more. And like, so just after a while it started, it was, let's say it was diminishing returns on the whole making money thing. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the turning point? Just you just you had some good songs suddenly. Yeah, so I mean, one of the main ones was I guess when I turned 30, I kind of threw myself like the show-offy birthday party, you know, like rented out like a nice <laughs> hip bar in Silver Lake and you know, had drinks for everybody and live music and blah blah blah. And I remember I woke up the next day and uh I kind of just felt like I don't know, pretty dissatisfied. Oh, and it was a good party, you know, yeah. don't get me wrong, it was a good yeah. party. But I think I realized, like, I was kind of looking down the the pipe, like, okay, so what What do I think my 35th birthday party is going to look like? And just a bigger bar with more, you know? <laughs> and um, so that was when I decided to call up a buddy of mine, and I had some songs. I recorded a very DIY kind of, like, full-length record with him, which, for the most part, no one's heard. It didn't get released or anything, okay. nothing proper like that. Did any songs of that make the first? So, yeah, some of those songs we retracted for Angelina yeah. and my Dave. In fact, some of those songs we even are putting on Tenderheart, you know, okay. the new album. Just, right. Which is typical, I think, for people, you know, yeah. they have songs that they know are good tunes but that never got maybe like the right yeah, treatment. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a couple of years after that, so I released that in like early 2013. But again, I was just still playing out in little clubs in Long Beach in LA and Southern California. And it wasn't until I finally went to Nashville. And um, I, I think. I went and got to play the show called Music City Roots in 2014, yeah. and that was when all of a sudden people were like, oh, dude, like, does anyone know about you yet? Like, do you have a manager? <laughs> Is there anything going on? And so that show kind of helped me get some people to hear my tunes and to see me play, and for the first time I kind of started getting a little team together. And then shortly after that, um, I was, next thing I know, making a record with Ry Cooter because um, I'd met his son um, the year before, and hired his son, Joaquin, to play drums back when I thought I was just going to produce the album myself. And Joaquin was like, do you still need a producer? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, how about if I send these shitty rehearsal demos to Rye? Great. And I was like, yeah, that's great. Let's send my shitty three-minute <laughs> pop them. songs to <laughs> one of the greatest you know, musicians of all time. Anyway, so insanely, Rye wanted to make the record with me. And uh, and the rest, as they say, is yeah. history. That kind of gave started, you know, started the whole path. So now your thirty fifth birthday, thirty fifth coming that's up in be, July. Yeah. That's looking good. Though. I mean, that's it's gonna, you're, in a, you're in a better place for your thirty fifth. I mean, look, we don't have much dough. <laughs> you know, there's no <laughs> fancy cars in the driveway. Um, uh, you know, but um, I'm I'm lucky. I'm very fortunate to get to do this for a living. It's yeah. I mean, and you realize so quickly, like, 
just having talent is such a small part of it. Like just you, like there's so many people out there that write great songs or a really good singer, yeah. good you know guitar player, whatever. So I think I've gotten lucky, but I also have um, you know I'm, my I want I don't want to say new wife because that sounds about my <laughs> the the woman I'm very lucky to be married to now. You know she really supports me, yeah. and so I get a lot of love. I get a lot of support. Um, we just had a baby uh, ten months ago, and so we've got like a happy family. Yeah, and um, I think it's going really well for you. Yeah, I mean honestly, like yeah. that that kind of stuff makes all the difference because I've got all those voices every day I wake up to that are like quit you should just quit no one cares about you you're a loser you know that's, and, not, uh, your, that's not your wife no <laughs> it's, it's me, my girlfriend it's my girlfriend uh, no no so I mean it's it's me you know it's me I still struggle with you know every day you know because again I, it's like the voices are like well you're not Willie Nelson yeah. you're not Hank Williams or you're not you know Elvis or whatever so um, but I've learned to combat that stuff and to realize that this is supposed to be a process like nobody starts at the top of their game. Yeah. Um, and even again, like talking about, you know, self-producing my, my new album, I kind of just said to myself, if this turns out pretty darn close to what you were hoping it would, then that's good, dude. Yeah. So like, don't be so damn hard on yourself. And you're always, you know, I think so many artists end up just kind of stopping themselves from doing yeah, the thing. Yeah. So I'm still learning how to, I guess, have some balls and like just go out there and play music and record and, and try to be a, you know, a real person. It's still you've got quite a unique place, I think, in country at the moment. Yeah. I don't know if that's because you went to Nashville and then you didn't you didn't stay. You went back again. Yeah, which is quite a weird thing. Either, not weird so even before I played in Nashville, my wife, my now wife, we went out there to kind of scope it out. We're like, well, should we move to Nashville? Because we could actually afford a house out yeah. here, you know. Like, <laughs> um, and then we checked it out, and I think right away we met a whole bunch of great people and and got kind of plugged in, but. I don't think at any point we felt super like we needed to move there. Yeah. And then when I came home from my first kind of big tour um, last year, it, we had another one of those moments where we really considered moving to Nashville. Yeah. And it was like one of those things like maybe the next day we we're going to do the drive. And, and I was like, honey, I don't, I don't want to move to Nashville. No. And she's like, then let's not do it. I was like, oh, thank God. Because you, you, your sound doesn't, you don't sound like you're from Nashville. I don't, I no. Don't, I, don't, that's cause I, just cause, I don't think it's just because I know you're not. But I think you have a sort of a laid back. There is something about yeah, Southern look, California to your sound, and I guess that's, and that's very intentional. Yeah, like it, you, it, once you start doing this, and you actually like everyone's all friendly to you and cool. But then when you start kind of like putting out music in a professional way, all you do is get judged, yeah. criticized. <laughs> you know, everyone's suspicious of your background. They yeah. fucking hate you know. Like it becomes this authenticity battle. Yeah. So yeah, I realize that for folks in Nashville or even in Texas, like some dude with the name Outlaw playing music out of L.A., that just sounds like something they want to hate right yeah. they're like fuck you you know who yeah. do you think you are and um I, th I think that there's been a little of that um but then people hear the tunes and for the most part the response to the actual music has been really good yeah and people have pointed it out like there is something different about the kind of country music that i'm doing yeah. versus what you might hear coming out of a place like north carolina or texas or nashville yeah totally. and so yeah you look for the to play up the things that are different about you yeah yeah, and then the new record, it feels like there's even more things. That it feels like there's a bit of Heartland Rock coming in there. Yeah. A bit of, a bit of Tom Petty, oh, yeah, John Cougar Mellencamp dude, coming in. I mean, that one song that we've got called Trouble, I mean, yeah, it's just a Mellencamp ripoff. Yeah, and someone is. pointed out the other day, they're like, this song is a Mellencamp ripoff, but it's also basically just Linda Ronstadt's Poor, Poor, Pitiful Me. And I was like, yeah. you're right. So, and that's a hipper reference, yeah, so let's yeah, go yeah. though. No, but yeah, yeah. I, love, I love rock, and so I try to, I try to bring more of that into this new album. And like you mentioned, Pet, you know, Tom Petty. So the, the title track is the song Tender Heart. And, um, you know, 
remote. It has a big chorus, and we added yeah. like the twelve string electric, and you know, so we were doing things. And and you know, the the engineer Martin is really good friends with Mike Campbell. In fact, the last record he worked on, which, which he stopped working on like a day before we started my record, was the new album that Marty Stewart made in L.A. Yeah. with Mike Campbell. <laughs> so. Um, you know, I don't know if Mike Campbell would know this, but I think some of his guitars I actually played on this record. <laughs> and, you know, Mike, if by some insane chance you ever hear this, I'm sorry, but I was really gentle <laughs> with your guitars. But yeah, I mean, I'm obsessed with Tom Petty. And I think I've just been, look, when you fall in love with a genre, like I fell head over heels for like classic country, mm. you you fully immerse yourself in that genre. But after like five fucking years, mm. you start listening to other stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we'll get to that, I yeah, guess, with yeah. this other these other music I've picked. So I love country, but at some point you obviously start mixing in all the many influences and all yeah. the stuff that you love, which is rock, it's hip hop, it's... You know, soft rock, it's disco, whatever. I mean, yeah. there's too much good stuff out there. So, in like the sort of the heartline, the end, you, was that stuff you were into before country? And that you, or is it just stuff you? I think it was before and after. Yeah. Like I had heard like John Mellencamp, yeah. you, know, bef- you know, before I started making music. And I, to this day, I don't know why all of a sudden I started listening to some of that stuff again. But it was kind of like, I think going into Tenderheart, I was, I was just rediscovering maybe is a good mm. good word some of like even like some of the brit pop that i loved in yeah. the 90s um because a lot of that stuff you know it's based on like 60s folk rock yeah yeah you know it's like oasis and blur and all that stuff it's not like they weren't basically just doing kind of like a revamp revamped white mm. album or you know a lot of that stuff is all related yeah. like even you know people talk about how tom petty um sounds so much like uh roger mcginn from the birds or you know that kind of thing so it's all related yeah <laughs> um and we're all just kind of copying yeah. each other's shit yeah but um yeah I, i've been listening to a lot more lately for sure that's yeah, cool so we haven't got they, what's they next they're, they're not your next choices but what, what's next chronologically yeah so next up is the 1987 album tango in the night by fleetwood mac and uh, so I recently did a European tour, uh, just me and two of my friends. It was like an acoustic trio kind of thing. And this um, Nashville um, singer-songwriter named Molly Pardon, uh, we've, we both discovered like at the same time that we were in love with the song Everywhere, which okay. is the third track on the record. And, you know, it was one of the big hits. It starts with this kind of sparkly noise, and then doom, 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 doom. <laughs> and so we're like, oh, the, the full band version of the song is so cool, but we really want to cover it. How shitty will it sound <laughs> if we try to do like a sweet and sensitive singer-songwriter version of the song? So what we did is we kind of turned it into a duet. And we played it um, at probably a handful of shows on like the month long European tour to like mixed results. Okay. Like some nights we could yeah. tell we were we were nailing it and people were into it. Some nights we were nailing it and people weren't into it. <laughs> some nights we weren't nailing it and people weren't into it. But um, that's did you split the vocal off then as well. Yep. So oh, so, so I took verse one and then in, instead of me doing like the melody on the chorus, she kind of took the more melody and then I would take a harmony and then she would sing verse two the melody. Great. Yeah, it was kind of fun. Yeah. But it's a hard. It's kind of a hard song. Yeah, and especially it's tough when you know the full band production yeah um, but i just think that song is insane and it makes me think about like you know in la and you're you know at some beautiful club and maybe you're stoned and then maybe later in the night you have a little cocaine you can kind of stay up later because this is 1987 yeah. fleetwood mac yeah if you bought this fucking record <laughs> at some point you're snorting cocaine <laughs> and enjoying this music so i to me this record was a little uh i think maybe ahead of its time also maybe just a definer of that time. Um, so one of the greatest bands of all time, making a record that, you know, maybe people don't consider like their best album because people no. are so obsessed with rumors and yeah, that shit. Yeah. But I mean, like everywhere, that that's just 
that's just an insane song. And this album also has the song Little Lies on it, which is just a jam. Um, and I'm obsessed with um, Christine McVie's voice. I just think yeah. it's really something special. Um, and she, I believe she's the one leading uh, everywhere. So that's the tune I want to play. Okay, brilliant. Here it is. So that was everywhere by Fleetwood Mac off Tango in the Night. 
it's weird the production on that feels like it's come round and now it makes more sense than it maybe yeah. did at the time. You were saying that like, everyone likes it more than everyone likes rumors more, but actually I think this album's starting to get the acclaim it probably deserves. I hope so. And like even that I know folks you know, as a podcast that can't see the album art, but it's this <laughs> very like airbrushed eighties like kind of weird like magical swamp scene with like elephants and like I don't know what that is. Is that like a stork? I don't know what you cut. But and I think it, the stickers are covering it up, but there's a big flamingo, I think, yeah. on it, which that became kind of like a definer of the 80s, too. Like Christopher Cross had a flamingo. So <laughs> I think the flamingo, whatever, became the mascot of yeah. soft rock in the 80s. But it's a classically 80s record that still today sounds incredible. Brilliant. Um, okay. Next. So next, now we're... Now we're in the 90s. Yeah. We gotta, we, and, yeah, we're in the 90s. And this, this was a tough one for me because, you know, I, I guess, you know, I was born in 82, so I was kind of like waking up to, to music and art and stuff in the 90s, I guess. So uh, I guess I was what you could consider like a 90s baby, and yeah. that, that was when I was kind of coming of age. Um, so I picked, and it's hard to pick a favorite Radiohead record, but I picked the one that still to this day probably resonates the most with me. Um, I picked their second album, which is called The Bends. And I still have shit. I, I haven't even thought about what song I want to play. Ugh, this is too. All right, I know everyone flips out over high and dry, and fake plastic trees. I like just. Just is such a <laughs> rocker, man. That's so good. I'm gonna pick one. I think Black Star. Blame it on you. Um, and I also think street. And let, let's talk about. Actually, let's play. The, I think the one we should play is Street Spirit. So I remember my family was on some kind of like road trip, family vacation, and I went into the like the Sam Goody or whatever it was when we were on some stop, mm. and I bought this album because I remember when um, this CD was out, it had like a sticker on it that said like Rolling Stone gave it five stars. And I remember thinking, oh wow, well if Rolling Stone gave it, <laughs> it must be stars. good, right? <laughs> and um, so I bought this record after OK Computer came out because oh. I remember like a, a buddy like right when like making mixed CDs was like a thing. Yeah. Um, I'm, I think a friend of mine maybe, or I may, I can't remember what it was, but somehow I got a mixed CD that had some Radiohead on it, but there were songs from OK Computer. So I knew that I wanted more Radiohead and yeah. I saw this one and I, even though I knew it was older, I was like, well, it must five be stars. good. Five stars. <laughs> you can't, you can't, you know, argue with that. Um, so I remembered going and I feel like my mom was kind of the, between my mom and my dad, my dad was the bigger music fan and was like hip to like jazz stuff and some really cool music. But um, you know, I was raised in like conservative kind of Christian home where we just, it was like they kind of hid that stuff from us a little bit. Um, but at some point I feel like my mom became the one that I could talk to about like art and culture and music and stuff. And so I remember going into the kitchen, like with my boom box and yeah. How are you about 12 now? That's, no, no. So that's no. the thing is that I bought this record after it came out. So I was probably oh. like maybe... Fifteen. Okay. okay. Yeah. So I, I just to set the scene. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's. Let's. Yeah. That's a good point. So this album came out in. Well, it says ninety four. So maybe ninety five. I, I think it was ninety four. I thought creep or um. I thought like that first record. Um, that would have been not. I thought that was ninety four. Anyway. No, ninety four, yeah. ninety five. But the point is, it was probably ninety eight or ninety nine when okay. I got this record. Maybe. Maybe ninety seven. No, I was probably ninety seven. Yeah, I think yeah. I was fifteen. Okay. Um, so anyway, it had been out for a little bit. Like, okay, computer just came out. But I remember I played the, my mom the last track, which is track twelve, and it's called Street Spirit. And I just remember thinking the sound in it was so kind of spooky and very sad. And um, I don't know. It just to this day, every time I hear that song, I kind of I always have that memory of sh showing yeah, my mom yeah, Radiohead yeah. in my it's kitchen. Weird. I always think music from that time and up until you're sort of sixteen always. It can stay with you in a way that, as you get older, you don't associate with time and place. Oh, as of much. course. I mean, we become, 
you know, it's like I've got, you know, and then like my, my infant son now and I watch him wake up and it's like the whole world is fascinating. Yeah. He needs to touch things and look at And like we, yeah, we obviously we lose kind of that sense of wonder over yeah. the years. So the kinds of, you know, the stuff that you're getting into when you're 13, 14, 15, 16, that's the stuff that sticks. I mean, like I, when I hear these songs, I'm, you know, teleported back to that time and, um, you know, again, not to sound cheesy or whatever, but like that's, that's, that stuff is very meaningful. And I think it yeah. sticks to your heart in a big way. So let's play that last track, yeah, Street Spirit. Street
Okay, that was Street Spirit um, by Radiohead off the bends there. Um, so, you, so you're into that when you're 15. When do you when do you get into country? Were you, I know. It, when did that happen? <laughs> right? Like, it seems like. Yeah. Um, well, so there was only really one kind of like proper country band that my that I was raised on. My dad was really into this Western swing revivalist band called, uh, from the seventies called Asleep at the Wheel. Okay. Um, and I was looking, kind of looking around for some of this. Yeah. I was going to play some Western swing. Um, so that was a band, um, that became known as an Austin, Texas band, even though they kind of started in like the Bay area of California. Um, but Ray Benson, um, fronted this really cool Western swing band and my dad had some of the records. Um, and so that record was played. I mean, there were, there were, you could almost consider them in some ways like a Bob Wills cover band. So it's kind of like getting raised on Bob Wills, except that was the only country we listened to. Like, yeah. I didn't grow up listening to 90s country. There was no. no Alan Jackson records or George Strait or Garth Brooks or any of that in my house at all. No. I I was aware of some of the bigger radio hits because you can't get away from them. Yeah. But um, anyway, so that that song, th- those songs were played like every road trip, family vacation, every you know, I feel like we'd wake up Christmas morning, and my dad blasting asleep at the wheel in the living room. <laughs> and that was his way of saying, like, wake up, you fuckers. Let's go. Yeah. Um, so so asleep at the wheel kind of seeped into my blood in my, you know, childhood and my adolescence. I, and then I really listened to no country music. I mean, when I was in high school and college, I was in like Britpop. I was in a rock. I was in a post punk. I was into, you know, like Fugazi and this yeah. the shit that you listen to in college. Yeah. And then when I got out of college, um, my first job uh, out of college was working at a small record label in Southern California. And I remember I was homesick, like with a bad flu, like really sick. And I was probably like, I think I was just channel surfing in my living room, my shitty apartment in Newport Beach. And I think I was like kind of going back and forth in the bathroom and the couch, right? Just trying to stay alive. And um, I'm channel surfing and I, I stumble upon like CMT, like country music television, doing like a countdown thing, like top 100 country singers of all time, you know, like one of those yeah. things. And uh, I got there just in time for like the top 10, let's say. Okay. And I got to hear like you know, Merle Haggard for the first time, even though okay. I'd heard that name. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I'd heard George Jones, and so that that one blew my mind, and I heard Emmylou Harris for the first time, and those two, I remember Is just, f- I fucking <laughs> freaked out. And when I got, you know, well, and I could, like, get off the couch, I remember I went to my local record shop, and I bought a George Jones compilation that wasn't very good, but it was still good because it's him, and I bought Emmylou Harris's first album, Piece of the Sky, and then from there, I just fully... Just, and yeah. that that first Emmylou Harris record is a kind of a good gateway drug to country because yeah. there's songs written by the Beatles. There's um, yeah. a Merle Haggard song. There's a Leuven Brothers song. There's a Graham Parsons song. So you start looking those people up, and then you just go down the wormhole, and yeah. you know you're off to the races. And what, it's a, yeah, and it's a wormhole. I yeah, mean, it's, it's, it's endless. Yeah. So that those those were the two artists that flipped that switch, and once it got flipped, that was it for me. Like I pretty much listened to classic country so like 50s to like you know late 70s let's say country for like the next five years straight yeah you know just obsessed (laughs) and now you've got the 80s 90s country review show yeah i've seen you do that yes and 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 it's amazing but that that was quite weird it's a weird time to do it's a great time yeah i mean there was neo-traditionalists yeah but i didn't know that so like let's say even up until like six seven years ago i i was one of those kind of more purists where i assumed any yeah. country after 1976 was just horseshit i've met those times yeah, yeah. and i <laughs> i'm not saying that you, you can think whatever yeah, you yeah. want but then i remember so when i started dating the the you know andy who's now my wife she grew up in like rural utah and colorado she grew up on that 80s and 90s country yeah. 
and she's like, you know, this some this stuff's good. I was like, yeah, I know Dwight Yoakam's good, but like, I don't really want to listen to that. It's not really for me. <laughs> she's like, okay, well, how about if I make you like a playlist or whatever? And she made me a country music playlist that was, you know, kind of like her favorites from the 80s and 90s. Yeah. And maybe I kind of grumbled through a little bit of it for like half an hour, but then pretty much right away I got hooked. I was like, this is really good. Make another yeah. one. So she made another one. And so it's thanks to her that I really discovered the gems, you know, the neo-traditionalists, yeah. Mary Chapin Carpenter, Vince Gill, um, Pam Tillis, Katie Lang. You know, she helped me understand and see the light. Yeah, you know, that, it's a production thing. I always think it's once you jump over that, little tiny well the big jump. the big difference is the drums yeah so in 80s 90s no matter how hip the thing was they had those kind of big rock yeah, drums yeah there was a lot of time in country or even like country rock like eagles it's side stick yeah you know and then and then of course in 80s 90s they have that big snare sound i think that was a hurdle for me because it sounds lame yeah but now i just think well yeah of course you're doing that because you're making enough that you don't notice that's it right after a while. it that's just right. goes yeah. and then you just get you dive into the melodies yeah. and, and then you really play like, someone and they think they like what you yeah to totally <laughs> yeah but um and and so your next choice. Yeah, let's get into it? the twenty first century. <laughs> so this this it's is not it's not country at all. No, it's not country, um, but it's um, someone I just I, I look up to so much. Uh, my my buddy Danny, one of my main guitar player dudes, uh, Danny Garcia, got me hooked on this guy. Uh, this is an artist named Kendrick Lamar, and I was a, once again a little kind of late to the party on this dude because I'm I'm, a, I'm pretty sure that when this record came out in 2012, right away everyone flipped and and decided he was the next big thing, and I can't disagree. So um, the record I picked is called "Good Kid, Mad City" by Kendrick Lamar, and um, I mean there's so many good jams on this record uh, that I it's difficult to I guess pick one. But um, the one that I, I guess, the, the, maybe the one that gets stuck in my head the most is, um, well, there's a couple. Um, I think one of them is Backseat Freestyle, which was probably one of the singles, I'd have to guess. But the one that I want to talk about is Swimming Pools, oh, drank. in parentheses, Drank. drank yeah. And it's actually kind of country <laughs> yeah. that it's got the parentheses. Yeah. You know, that's like a country thing where you've yeah. got like the thing, the yeah. name of the song, and then there's the parentheses. Yeah. Um, so this one is crazy to me. I don't know if I'm hearing the lyrics wrong, but I think the hook is, um, why are you babysitting only two or three shots? Let me show you how to turn it up a notch. First you get a swimming pool for a little liquor, then you dive in pool full. And so like it just, <laughs> the, like obviously um, as a boring ass white dude in LA, um, like I have no business, you know, really like trying to have swagger. <laughs> but when I listen to this record, I just hear somebody who's so confident in, in what they're doing and who, you know, and I've read up on him a little bit more. I know that he's really um, intentional about putting his team together. And when he makes music, it's not just a solo effort. He collaborates with really talented people. And I think that's what's so important in, in making music. It's not just being talented yourself, but being wise enough and smart enough to bring together people who help bring out the best in what you're trying to accomplish. So to me, Kendrick Lamar, uh, he's he's just, um, he is, I mean, he's the guy. He's just the guy. And I think, um, you know, this song, it's just a, it's a song about drinking, which is kind of a country Straight, thing. Kind of a, yeah. But oh my God, those lyrics. Yeah. And the, I mean, the guy just, he... He knows what he's doing. So I'm obsessed with this song, and every time I hear it, I do want to drink. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's Maybe not a whole swimming pool's worth, but I want to drink. Yeah. Amazing. Well, let's, we'll end on that, that choice there. Cool. Um, but thanks so much for coming in. Thanks, John. Well, now we'll play uh, 
swimming pools. Anything else we need to talk about? Albums out. Yeah, it's man, called, I, it's called Tender Heart. Tender Heart it's yeah. amazing. Get the first one. You haven't got the first yeah, one. Yeah, I call it SoCal Country. So I think it's for people who maybe dig country, but also not. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and there's a lot of them. Yeah. Okay. Um, so this is it. Then this is. Uh, thanks so much for coming in, Sam My Outlaw. And uh, this is Swimming Pools. Parentheses. Drank. Drank. Chicago. Some people like the way it feels. Some people want to kill their sorrow. Some people want to fit in with the popular. That was my problem. I was in a dark room, loud tunes, looking to make a vow soon. That I'ma get fucked up, filling up my cup. I see the crowd mood changing by the minute, and the record on repeat. Took a sip, then another sip. Then somebody said to me, Nigga, why you babysitting? Only two or three shots. I'ma show you how to turn it up a notch. First, you get a swimming pool full of liquor, then you dive. Pool full of liquor, then you dive in Then I wave a few bottles, then I watch you all fly All the girls wanna play, they watch I got a swimming pool full of liquor and they dive in it Pool full of liquor, I'ma dive in it Pool, drink, headshot, drink, sit down, drink, stand up, drink, pass out, drink, wake up, drink, fade it, drink, fade it Okay, now open your mind up and listen me, Kendrick. I'm in your conscience. If you do not hear me, then you will be history, Kendrick. I know that you're nauseous right now, and I'm hoping to lead you to victory, Kendrick. If I take another one down, I'ma drown in some poison abuse on my limit. I think that I'm feeling the vibe. I see the love in her eyes. I see the feeling of freedom is granted as soon as the damage of vodka arrived. This how you capitalize. This is parental advice. And apparently, I'm over-influenced by what you are doing. I thought I was doing the most that someone said to me. Nigga, why you babysitting? Only two or three shots. I'ma show you how to turn it up a notch. First you get a swimming pool full of liquor. Then you dive in it. Pool full of liquor. Then you dive in it. And I wave a few bottles, then I watch them all fly All the girls wanna play, they watch I got a swimming pool full of liquor and they dive in it Pool full of liquor, I'ma dive in it Pool, drink, headshot, drink, sit down, drink, stand up, drink, pass out, drink, wake up, drink, fade it, drink, fade it, drink, drink, Sit down, drink, stand up, drink, pass out, drink, 
wake up. Just when I thought I had enough. They stopped the homie out over a bitch? Get out, you good, love? No, we can drop, yeah, we can drop back off. That nigga straight, man, that nigga ain't tripping. We gonna do the same old shit. I'm gonna pop a few shots, they gonna run, they gonna run opposite oh, way. Call right in the lap. Oh, and he gonna tear their ass up, simple as that. And I hope that bitch that set him up out there, we gonna pop that bitch too. Wait, hold up, hey, I see something. Rough Trade Radio. Nevin, that's your lot. Available in store and online at roughtrade.com.